Good morning. It's nice, very nice to see you all. I think I would like to read again chapter 2 of Jonah. We are continuing our study of the chapter and what it is that Jonah suffered under the hand of the Lord as the Lord dealt with Jonah for his foolishness. He chastened him. And I think we should just read again the words of chapter 2. Very quickly then, look at the chapter, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed, that is, when he was swallowed up by the fish, he prayed, unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah unto the dry land. What a story, and what an experience for Jonah the man of God. But there are lessons, boys and girls, for us all in what it was Jonah experienced. Because this was the Lord dealing with Jonah. This all happened as a result of what the Lord caused to come upon Jonah. And you, if you read with me there and followed as I read, you will have seen how often Jonah said that the Lord had done this. It was the hand of the Lord at work. And Jonah wasn't complaining. He recognized that In mercy, God so dealt with him in order to recover him from his sin and his backsliding. So, I want to say a few more things about chastening because it's very important for a Christian to understand chastening because when trouble comes upon them, difficulties are encountered, then it's important that we understand what it is God is working out in our life. Let me first of all tell you that chastening by the Lord, is in order to recover us and bring us back to holiness and obedience to him. Chastening by the Lord promotes holiness. That's what it's all about. The Lord never sends upon you that which is meant to promote sin or to do you harm. When he sends trouble, it's in order to do you good. You might say, well, how could that be? How can trouble do me good? Well, in actual fact, in life, we live out that principle. Oftentimes, when we're sick, before we can be made better, we might have to suffer 
even more than that which the sickness brought upon us. And by that I mean, if you and I were to go up to the hospital today, especially up to the surgical wards, there we would see people lying in bed. Many of them would be bandaged up, or at least various parts of them would be bandaged up, covering over a wound, a wound that a surgeon has made. And he made that wound in order to bring about healing in them. He maybe removed something from their body that was causing them great pain and possibly would have brought about their death if the surgeon hadn't have wounded them, opened up their flesh, taken out that which was bad. And now there they are in the surgical ward and they're enduring some measure of pain as a result of their surgery. And the nurse comes in every so often and gives them some medicine or maybe gives them an injection to subdue the pain and to try and make them as comfortable as possible. But the person lying in the bed knows that this pain will in the end work to my good. Well, so it is with the child of God when we go astray. When sin gets a hold of us and gets into our lives, God has to operate like a surgeon to get rid of it. And that operating causes pain. He has to take a rod to us at times to chasten us. And that's why Jonah is here in this chapter suffering. Sin had entered his life and the Lord determined to get rid of it. And he sends trouble. And Jonah, suffering and all he may, is nevertheless aware that God is working that which is for his good. So I repeat, chastening by the Lord promotes good, it promotes holiness in our life. In verse 3, as you look at it please, Jonah says, Thou hast cast me into the deep. Now, God cast him into the deep in order to bring about a healing from his backsliding. You will notice that Jonah begins to pray. I mentioned that before. Strange place to pray, but, oh, my mind immediately brings up before me thoughts about the strange places that God's people have prayed in when they have backslidden. As many as a man has prayed in a pub. Yes, a public house. Not exactly the place you'd think of for a prayer meeting or a calling on the Lord. But that man has been smitten by God and his conscience and he has been made to realize his backsliding and he has cried on the Lord and then stepped out of the pub determined never to go back. And we could also say that in many a car accident, even as the accident was taking place, the person involved has said, I know why the Lord has sent this trouble. I have wandered, I have sinned against him, I have backslidden. Lord have mercy and spare me and restore me. Even as the accident is taking place, that prayer is offered. doesn't take you long to pray. And here's Jonah praying. And he's praying in the belly of the wheel. Verse 2. I cried by reason of mine affliction. See? He recognized why it was he was now praying. Because of the affliction that God sent upon him. Then in verse 4, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. Here he is, conscious of what has happened to him. And because of what has happened to him, he's looking to the Lord. Do you know, boys and girls, it's hard to get us to pray. 
We don't pray easily. We want to ignore God. We don't want to speak to him when we're backslidden. And the Lord really has to do that which is severe at times in order to get us to pray. That's what we read here in these verses. God had to take real strong measures with Jonah in order to get him to pray. And let me tell you this, God can take strong measures. Never forget that. Never forget that. Maybe if you've fallen out with someone and you don't want to talk to them, they call to you and you just ignore them. They shout louder, but oh, you're not hearing. And you may be able thus to ignore the person that you're crossed with and don't want to talk to, but you will not be able to ignore God when God speaks. If you turn your back on him, he'll speak the louder. And if you continue to ignore him, then he'll take up a rod and he'll lay it upon you until you turn in humility and repentance. That's what's happened here to Jonah. He has been running away, getting away from God, wanting to ignore God. But God got his attention. He's got it here in the belly of the whale. I might just notice with you what it says in verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. I think one of the greatest measures of affliction is to become conscious of the fact that we have lost contact with God. Jonah became aware that he was, by his sin, cast out of the sight of God. His sin had come between him and God, and it seemed as if God couldn't see him. And I want to tell you, that brings great distress to the true child of God when that thought dawns upon them. I think I told you before of a little story about me when I was, oh... I would have been about four years old. And at that time our family was living in London. And we were walking down in the centre of London. Mum and Dad and probably my sisters. And I was holding on to my Dad's hand. Walking along, of course, looking all round me at the sights. Maybe we were at Trafalgar Square where there's a lot of pigeons. And it used to be quite a thing for people to bring corn and that sort of thing, or barley, and feed it to the pigeons, and the pigeons would come and light on your shoulders and on your head and everywhere, and people would take pictures, of course, of this. Maybe that's where we were, I don't remember exactly, but I was holding on to my dad's hand, and for some reason I let it go, I don't know why, and then I reached up and grabbed again, and was walking along, and I looked up, and it wasn't my dad, I had grabbed somebody else's hand, a stranger. And I didn't know him. And I let go of son. I looked all around and I couldn't see my dad. But he had seen this happening. And so had the man whose hand I had grabbed. And both of them looked at each other and winked just to see what I would do. And as soon as I became distressed and probably began to howl, my dad stepped in and let me know that I wasn't lost. Jonah here felt to be lost. I'm cast out of your sight. I've lost sight of you, Lord. I've lost sight of you. That's a great distress for the child of God. And that's what sin brings upon us, boys and girls. Psalm 31 and the verse 22 says, For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. The psalmist too felt lost. 
and out of God's sight. But he cried, and lo and behold, when he cried, God stepped before him and answered his prayer. Affliction promotes holiness then, boys and girls. You can see that as a result of what he has experienced, Jonah is returning unto the Lord. He's beginning to pray and cry and talk to the Lord again. There has been a mending of the relationship between him and the Lord. He says in verse 6, I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. Do you see that in verse 6? He went down. That's what his sin did. Took him down. But he cried to the Lord. And the Lord brought up his life from corruption. Oh, I tell you, when God takes a dealing with us, it promotes holiness in our life. Sin will bring us down, but God in his mercy will lift us up. He lifts us up. Let me say then, secondly, that you have in this chapter the evidence, the proof of what is a true believer. Let me contrast Jonah and his response to God's chastening with that of men we read about in Revelation, the chapter 16. You older ones can turn that up very quickly. The very last verse of chapter 16 of Revelation. Now this chapter deals with the very end of this age, just before the Lord Jesus comes. And there's a time of judgment upon the earth. And you know, boys and girls, even in that God shows his mercy. Because God is visiting wicked nations with judgments, and he's showing them what will come upon them in its fullness if they continue in their sin. That's mercy. That's mercy. God could have said nothing and just let them go on until they fell down into everlasting damnation. But I think there is an element of mercy here. God sends judgment to show what it is is coming. But look at the reaction of men in the last verse. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And I'll stop there again and say, here's mercy. Now, can you see it? Can you see in those opening words, mercy? What fell upon Sodom and Gomorrah? Was it a hail? It was fire. It was fire. But God is here pouring out hail. That's not as lethal or as terrible as fire. And I'm telling you, it's a mercy. God was holding back his wrath. He sent them hail instead of fire. And he sent the hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of that hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. What did they do? Did they say, oh, we have offended God and he's angry with us. We better repent. Look at his power, what he can do with us. We need to take heed. No, they didn't. They blasphemed God. They shook their fist at God. And they said, we will not heed what you're saying to us. We will not turn from our sins. And we don't care what you send from heaven upon us. They blasphemed God. And in doing that, they showed that they weren't like Jonah, who was a child of God. And being a child of God, he heeded 
God's chastening. These men weren't children of God, and they didn't heed what God said, but rather they defied him. So I tell you again, here in this chapter 2, with the chastening that came on Jonah, you have the proof of what a true child of God is. A true child of God under chastening will act as did Jonah. He turned from his sin unto the Lord. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Verse reads, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. When he was distressed by what had happened to him, his being cast into the sea, his going down to the very depths of the sea, his being swallowed by the whale, when these things happened, I remembered the Lord. I thought about the Lord. Backsliding is the Lord slipping from our minds. We forget about him. But chastening causes us to remember the Lord and to cry unto him. Even in such depths as these that Jonah entered into, there can be a looking unto the Lord. Verse 4 we have read already, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again. Yet I will look again. No matter how far down I have come, or how far away it seems I've drifted from the Lord, yet I will look again. That's what faith said. That's why we, we sang the hymn that we did this morning about faith. It doesn't collapse, as it were, under chastening. It doesn't despair under chastening, but faith under chastening, recognizing the goodness of God, turns to the Lord. Turns to the Lord. Just like Jonah here, he looked to the Lord. And again, we find echoes of this in the lives of other Christians, other believers. Psalm 18, verse 6 reads, In my distress I called upon the Lord, and I cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of the temple, and my cry came before him even unto his ears. Oh, this is what God wants. This is why he uses the rod. To get our attention. That we might open our mouths again to him. Jonah says that he would look unto the Lord. And then the look evolves into a cry. Verse 4, I read again, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look. So it is as if under this chastening, the eyes of his soul turn and look to the Lord. But then from his heart there goes a cry. So he didn't just look, but he cries unto the Lord. And you can see that in verse 1, verse 2, and in verse 7. I read verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. It's important we take note of the fact that he thinks about his prayer coming unto God in the temple. Because that means that he was thinking about the temple, thinking about the altar where the sacrifices were made and the blood was shed for sin. Thinking about the mercy seat right in the very heart of the temple where the blood was sprinkled and atonement was made. All these things came into the mind of Jonah down there in the belly of the wheel under the chastening of God. He recognizes his sin. He thinks there's a place where blood has been shed. There's a place where the sprinkled blood has been put upon the mercy seat and atonement is made and I have peace with God. Here's the workings of God's grace in Jonah's heart. 
Jonah was heard. God's chastening of Jonah was successful. He was heard. It's good to know, boys and girls. Let me tell you. Let me tell you now. If you're ever faced with this situation where you find yourself like Jonah, away from the Lord. Don't let the devil tell you. I'll tell you he will. It's no good praying. God won't hear you. That's what the devil will say. But the Bible says, and the testimony of God's people throughout the ages record for us the fact that God will hear. No matter how far we have drifted away, God will hear. There's none of us can imagine ever drifting as far away from God as did Jonah. Right down into the depths of the sea. And yet crying unto God from that dreadful place. God heard him. The Lord Jesus on one occasion said in prayer, Thou, he's talking to his father, and he says, Thou, father, hearest me always. And do you know something? You can say that too. When you come in Jesus' name, when you come to pray clothed in the righteousness of Christ, then you pray with the very voice of the Lord Jesus. The Father will hear you as he has heard his Son. And as the Lord Jesus was able to say, you hear me always, so it is with you. God will always hear his elect when they cry unto him. Isn't that good to know? Oh, what a liar the devil is. He would drive us away from praying, telling us a lie about God. God won't hear you. When God has made it clear, he will. Jesus said, call upon me and I will answer thee. Jonah has learned that. This experience in the belly of the whale has been to his good. And as we notice at the very last verse of the chapter, the Lord spake unto the fish. Jonah had cried to God, and God answered him by speaking unto the fish and telling the fish, throw Jonah out. Now, he didn't throw him out into the middle of the sea again, but that big fish came right up to the shore and popped Jonah out onto dry land. That's what God does in answer to prayer. Let's bow in a word of prayer as we conclude our time. Bless your word, Lord, to the boys and girls. Oh, that they might get a picture of the experiences of Jonah and see the kindness of God to his wandering people. Teach them, teach them of thy mercy. Bless the school today and undertake for it. Hear us, Lord Jesus, as we cry to thee. Amen. Amen.